Welcome to Business Talk Sister Gok. I'm Becca, and today's podcast episode title is How Do Private Equity Funds Look for Acquisitions? And if you missed the previous episode to this one and you're wondering what exactly is a private equity fund, there's actually an episode right before this on that with Drew Linderman. And I am so excited to have him back. Thank you so much for being with me. It's good to be back, Becca. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Oh, and you previously explained a little bit about what you do with private equity. And I know that acquisitions are like your, your sweet spot. So I'm really excited to get into this today. Can you tell me about how private equity funds strategize growth? Um, yes. So typically they're going to be industry specific with a strategy so they can specialize um, and help the assets that they're buying. Um, okay. But they can go a, a few ways or a few different ways uh, about that. And one of those is like you can have a model where you're buying distressed assets. So think about a business that's struggling, but you really like the location and you think you can do very well there. Uh, meanwhile, they might actually have like, let's call it the bones of the business, all you need to get started. Um, then you could buy and rebuild, rehabilitate that. But you have to be structured in, the, in a way to do that. And I, I think it is much less common than the opposite of that, which is more looking to buy a turnkey business. You're looking for something that the integration will be very smooth, you know, an owner that's very hands-off that can basically say, hey, all I was doing was paying the bills for this business at this point. If you pay, pay the bills moving forward, nothing's going to change. Mm, and that okay. is typically the type of strategy that private equity is looking for. Unless... Uh, they go in in an industry and are are looking very specifically to rehab and have a team to do that. Okay. Yeah. So would you say that like the processes then are the most important part about making sure that that is a turnkey business or what, what, what do business owners need to do to build it to where it's attractive? Um, I would say good management structure and, and yes, solid daily operations. Um, you, you want less involvement from an owner standpoint so that you know the day that you buy that business, that it will just be making sure that the staff is kept happy and, and they don't see any big change. Mm -hmm. It's, okay. it's huge. And actually just getting to, excuse me, getting to where you need to be with that business and, and getting the, the acquisition under your belt. Okay. So do you think like when private equity funds look at certain industries, do they pick more than one or does it depend on the size? What, what, how do they make that decision of where to really get into the experience part? Uh, it's definitely going to play into size and structure. Um, you know, a smaller fund, I would very much assume is going to be like, say a real estate fund, um, something like that, as opposed to um, destination pet actually rolls up to letter one health is the fund. And so that's under letter one, there's letter one health and energy. So it, it's part of a, it's, it's a, a lot bigger structured fund. So they do actually branch out into different industries and different technologies. At the same time, it is structured for each individual industry not just one group that is overarching everything. It all just kind of rolls up in structure. That might've been a little confusing. Yeah. So you said L1, what does that mean? 
Letter one is the private equity fund that backs Destination Pet. Okay, got you. And that Destination Pet is who you're with. Sorry, I forgot to put that on this episode. And so um, are there other ones, like, is that a specific term just to them or is that like an industry name? Uh, letter one. Mm-hmm. Letter one's uh, a huge international fund. Oh. And they and they okay. actually have different branches. So that's where the structure is different is if you have branches of a big fund, those branches will actually get into specialization as opposed to you might just have a private fund, like I said, like I mentioned, real estate that is not near as big as something like letter one that is also just going to sit very specific to real estate. Okay. Got you. Okay. So on, um, I know that you have gone through an acquisition, like helped manage a business through that process into the, the fund that you currently help with. So how does a business prepare to be acquired by a private equity fund and what steps uh, do people need to try to take to get ready for that? Uh, yeah, there's a couple pieces here. There's the financial side of things and then there's the operation side of things is the way I, I would look at it. Uh, operationally, I, I'm a big fan of transparency with your staff as, as soon as you understand a sale is going through. Okay. Um, and just to make sure that they have a chance to ask questions, feel involved, uh, and make that transition, you know, make sure that their needs are met through that transition. And then the financial side, as far as like preparing to sell, uh, I would definitely say, you know, you want to be in line with the government as far as taxes, anything like that, any debt that needs to be forgiven. Um, but it's mainly just having your accounting and financials in line in a presentable way. Um, and that's going to be the the some of the biggest uh, hurdles, let's call them. Mm-hmm. But it's basically if you know the private equity fund that you're looking to sell to, anything, any kind of research you can do on them to understand what their target acquisition looks like. And when I say tar- target acquisition, I mean what is the revenue they're looking for? What are the the things that are that drive their decisions for okay. destination pet? That might be you know what's the top line revenue or uh, what is our labor percentage at? And I'm just throwing things out there. It's, it's not actually, it's not necessarily mm-hmm. what we're looking at, right, um, right, but right. there's lots of ways you could look at that. And so the better information you understand of like what that fund is looking for out of a business, you can kind of strategize to get your, your business as close to that as possible. Okay. So how do you kind of do that research on different, let's say I'm a business owner. That's like someday I want to like be selling my business to a private equity fund so that I can kind of step back. So here are the three that I'm thinking about because they're in my industry. And how do you go about finding out what each one is looking for to make sure that your business is in line with um, making it attractive? Honestly, I would say just reach out and ask the fund. Um, It's in both of your, it's in both of your interests to get your business to where they would want to buy it. Um, so it's like in our instance, if we had an acquisition that didn't quite work out and they asked why, it would be very simple to say, hey, you know, we need some revenue growth or we need this or we need that. And it, it paints them a good picture to like, hey, please call us in a year or two if you're where, you know, you need to be. So that's what I would say is actually try and make contact with the fund and say, hey, you know, here's where I'm at. Here's what I'm looking for. Because 
engaging in that conversation, getting some direction is a good thing. And often you might be a lot closer than you think you need, than you think you are to being ready to sell. Okay. Yeah. So what, what do you think is the difference between a private equity fund versus angel investors? Private equity is going to be much more involved on a daily basis. For example, like the uh, us sending presentations to a board, they're going to have to have a stamp a stamp of approval of that, and it is very consistent. And they're going to actually be involved in the driving of the strategy of the business. Okay. As opposed to angel investors who are going to be much more hands off than that, it's more of a hey, here's your check, go do your thing. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. And I I know that both are looking at obviously like the character of the business owner and like the, the, just the integrity of the business to make sure that they're investing in something wise. Right. Um, but what, what happens to the business owner when a private equity fund acquires a company? Do, does that person stick around? Um, I'm sure it, it is, uh, changes industry, industry and, and case to case, even on our basis. Um, typically I would say no, uh, especially if they were at all involved in daily operations, just because uh, from an investor standpoint, it's it's an easier, clean break to move forward under new management, if that's the case. Um, there have been plenty of instances where we have had sellers actually come work for the company uh, and just use their skill set, but that has not actually been involved in, in what their local business were that they were selling. Mm, okay. Um, so, and, and back to being a good target acquisition, being able to be hands-off and making that clean break is also typically a good selling point uh, to an investor. Okay. Cause they're like, we don't want you to try to make drama or something. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> yeah. Correct. It's, you know, it's even slight things and in, in direction of the business. Mm-hmm. Um, and in our, I, I can throw out an example in our industry is, you know, there might be an a, adoption relationship going on that, isn't, um, let's see, is it structured how it should be that it is, you know, there's dogs coming into the building that probably maybe shouldn't be as far as vaccinations or something like that, that immediately has to be taken care of. Mm-hmm. And so you, you just don't want like an owner or something in the middle of that. It's much nicer to be like, Hey, you know, just working directly with a manager who doesn't have a person in both ears. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause that's a lot of emotional stress for a lot of people. It is. And, you know, as far as acquisitions goes, whether, you know, selling your business, it is a a emotional time, you know, people spend years and tons of um, time in these businesses and it's like selling a child. Right. So that has to be taken into account. And, you know, like I said earlier, the, the smoothness of the integration with the employees, assuming that you're, we're talking about an industry that is somewhat labor driven is, it's critical is what I would say. It is the most important thing, including when it comes to improving the business on the investor side. If you have very happy employees that are looking to grow a business, they will come up with ideas that you just have to invest in instead of, you know, getting into a cultural battle of the integration, not going smoothly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so I guess my next question would be, as you are thinking, or people are looking to have their business acquired, what would you recommend um, they focus on? Is it all about cash flow and margins, or um, is it the pitch itself? How does how how do you go about? Like you would say, step one, you should do this, this, then this. 
Um, step one, I would make sure finances are in line, get everything cleaned up because any most private equity funds, that's going to be the first thing that's, that's the first box to check to get you in the door. Um, after that, I would really, I would really be wanting to paint that story of any growth that you can share with them. Um, things that you think that they can improve upon. But when it comes to margin, by all means, if you can get a better margin uh, in a healthy way, that might get you a little bit bigger payday um, because most companies are paid off of their profit as far as purchase price. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Yeah. And the other side to look at is your top line revenue. And if I'm, I'm in the investor's shoes, uh, I would probably rather see a higher top line revenue with a little bit less margin, especially if I'm like in a consolidator's shoes as an investor. Like we buy a bunch of businesses within an industry and we approve upon them. Some of that is buying power or purchasing power to get costs down. Um, but typically, when you're in that situation, it is easier to get margins down across a platform like that than it is to just drive an individual center's top line revenue. So showing growth and capacity to grow that top line revenue is is going to be a little bit more attractive to that investor than a really healthy margin, assuming that they have the model of we can come in and improve the margin. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So what would you say is the best way to learn how to pitch uh, to an equity fund? Like, are there places you can go to watch other people do it? Or uh, do you have any resource recommendations for that? Um, I would say truly immersing yourself within, within the data. And, and honestly, like I would be pitching it to anyone who would listen before you're pitching it to um, whoever your target audience is. Uh, I, Honestly, this this is one of the things I learned a little bit of of trial by fire and just being immersed in it. So I, I wish I had a more helpful resource to throw out, but I would still say that like experience is king. So it, it, the more you can immerse yourself in that and have, you know, if you have a financial friend and you're not the financial brain, have them beat you up around the questions about that a little bit because they'll get you feeling <laughs> really comfortable with it. You know, yeah. that's what happened to me is I had mm-hmm. a CFO or this or that being like, Hey, you know, you should probably look at it this way. And once that happens a few times, it starts to kind of evolve your thinking and you have, let's call it several ways to pitch it, you know, because it's, it's all about what that investor, how they think and what they're looking for. And some of those people are very, very numbers driven. And some of those people are very, very story driven. Yeah. Okay. So how do you think decisions are made to purchase a business then after a private equity fund reviews it? What's the process of like, we have to do this meeting, then this, and then these people decide, or what does that look like? Um, yes, that's a, I was about to say it's a pretty in-depth process, but it sounds Basically, like it would be. <laughs> it is. It is. There's a lot, but we'll we'll keep it high level. Um, typically, you sign an NDA, a non-disclosure act, which means you're not going to share any of each other's information, so that you can share some some private financials and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, the seller of the business would give the investor some basic, you know, call it the last three to five years of financials uh, to understand what the business looks like. Mm-hmm. Uh, from there you would, assuming the investor is interested, they would 
put an LOI on the business, which is a letter of intent, which means we intend to buy your business. Um, we're signing this agreement, meaning we're going to go down this road until it does not make sense. So this is like a, a deep dive getting very serious as far as sales go. Uh, you're not going to get an LOI on your business if, for example, like the financials don't check the boxes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so if we were to compare this to like a relationship, would it be like, this is like the, now you're in an official like dating phase before the engagement, or would this be the engagement? Um, I would say that that is the engagement. I think the financials would be looked at as kind of, kind of the initial dates and, and getting okay. to know each other a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, although the deeper dive really does take place once that LOI is signed. Um, so maybe, maybe it's, it's not so much, um, dating or not so much the engagement as it is the continued dating, because that is when you get into what's called due diligence, which is Mm -hmm. going to be a very deep dive into operations, uh, equipment. I, I mean, truly getting an understanding of how the business runs, what equipment does it run on? Is the building, does the building need any work? Um, every piece of that. Mm-hmm. Okay. No, I, I'm just like having flashbacks in my mind to like my own personal life of like, this would be like the marriage counseling, like <laughs> <laughs> making sure that everything is up to date before we're really going to do this. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, it is. It's, it's when you really get in, in depth with things. And that's why in our case, uh, in our industry, um, because we deal with with living animals and safety is a huge issue. So that operations piece is very important. We have to understand how they function on a, a daily basis, make sure that like dogs aren't being left unattended. Some of these things that that could turn out to be, let's call it deal breakers, um, because it's the the business might be actually modeled around some of the things that are are going on that might immediately impact profit. Oh, so yeah. it's, that's, mm-hmm. that's the type of things where you're looking for connections and to make sure you're understanding that any of the red flags that you uncover are, you have the resources to take care of them. If not, then you, that's when you start to look as an investor, like, okay, maybe I need to walk away from this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or is it like worth it to keep going? Like you have to weigh options, right? Right. And it comes down to to risk when you're analyzing an acquisition in general, or even a project. And in my instance, you're looking at what risk are you taking and not only the amount of money, um, but how hard is it going to be to get this to the projections you're showing, let's call it, you know, in year five, if you want to be making X amount of money, are the steps to that very clear and easy or is there a whole lot of muddy water in between that? And if so, that's when, again, you're exactly right. You're weighing back to like, what's risk reward here? Like, is this, is this a little bit too much for what I'm actually going to get out of it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, yeah. So I want to make sure um, as we're getting close to the end here, uh, where can people find you and and what are you up to next? Uh, yes, they can find me at consultthepack.com, uh, which is going to be my consulting branch or uh, packpetcare.com, which is uh, our website where we'll be selling our innovations, uh, including the dog dents. Okay. And consultthepack.com, like the dog pack kind of thing? Yes. Okay. All right. Awesome. 
Well, thank you so much for being here with me today. Uh, I have really enjoyed our time together. Yeah, same. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And um, I also wanted to transition now into the gawk portion of this episode. And I literally was like, oh, we should talk about this because this fits perfectly in in a roundabout way. <laughs> so I'm going to tell you a story today. When we were talking, we were talking about the, the marriage counseling piece of it or whatever. And I just remember, so my husband, love him. He's great. He's a very wise man. Uh, in many areas of his life. But when he was younger, uh, he had never known anything about, you know, getting, going to college, getting student loans, all this. And when we got engaged, we started going to marriage counseling and we were talking, whatever. And the homework was that we had to go through and write down all of our student loans that we had. So, you know, we, we wrote them all down, like, this is how much we have. And we had a good discussion with the the counselor and everything. And (laughs) Um, uh, we were getting ready to get married and I was packing up his room to move it into our apartment eventually. And in his closet, (laughs) I found this piece of paper on the ground and like, my husband's a wonderful man. He's just not the best administrator sometimes. And so in the piece of paper, like, oh my goodness, I still remember the, all of the emotions. (laughs) I'm like, what is this? Like, this is, this is a loan. (laughs) And here, like, and it's okay to laugh, Drew. Like, it is okay. <laughs> and here, I had found another like student loan that he had taken out and didn't even remember he had for like another like couple grand. And this is like the worst. Okay, this is the worst part. It was like a nine percent interest rate. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! I was like, what? Like I was freaking out. I was like, I, why would you ever choose that kind of interest rate? Like, don't you know? like, and he was like, well, I didn't know at the time. My mom just said, sign these papers. <laughs> and so, oh man, we had to go back to our marriage counseling and I was just a little bit hot about it. <laughs> and we're like okay so our homework is wrong we have to go add this extra in there and like I can laugh about it now okay because we've paid off all our student loans and we actually did a podcast series on how we did it so go back and listen to that like it was like last year (laughs) but um oh yeah like let me tell you that was a little bit like a little bit more risk than I was anticipating (laughs) (laughs) right no that's funny yeah. Oh, that just reminded me of that. So I just wanted to share it with you today. <laughs> yeah, no, I appreciate it. Oh, well, if you enjoyed this episode and our conversation, you should give it a review on Spotify and I will see you next week.